This is a production of NASCAR Dosage, made by the fans for the fans. NASCAR Dosage. Get back to the bottom, back to the bottom, you damn right, baby. <laughs> for you, the fans. Welcome to another episode. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of NASCAR Dosage. As always, Brandon and CJ with me. Uh, this week, we're going to break down the fun events of Las Vegas and getting to see the first true action of the next-gen cars at an intermediate to where how Auto Club last week. It's a very different racetrack for you know any series, any time of the year to run at. This week was the first true week we got to see that with the next gens. And how are you boys doing this week? Doing good this morning. How about yourself? Oh, you know. Good morning. We're here. We're thriving. We're trying to be something. Mm. CJ, how Where? are you doing? How was your week? Um, uneventful. uneventful. Yeah. That's good. No news is good news. Yeah. So usually when I hear no news, I figure it's a good thing. But when I have no news, I realize how boring my life is. So it's been, it's been a typical, typical week. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Good morning, sunshine. <laughs> well then, all righty. That's a, that's a great way to kick things off here. Um, well, hell, we might as well jump right into it. Then uh, let's uh, talk about the wonderful truck series then and the events that mm. took place at that and the quite literal shit show i think we got to see underway there There that was interesting yeah yeah that was a good race i thought it it was a good race but it was a it was a shit show at the same time like they were they were kind of all over the place but at the same time it was just there was was some good racing but yeah it was like an intermingled shit show within the good race there was in the good thing there it was so weird i I would say the stage winner of ben Rhodes isn't a surprise although i am noticing a common theme the past few years now with the truck series you win a championship and all of a sudden you don't have sponsors the next year yeah that's a strange pattern isn't it what's up with that like Mm. I think it simply comes down to you don't make anything. You know, the truck series is is a developmental ladder. And I feel like the real money that comes in through those lower levels is through the drivers bringing sponsorship. You know what I mean? So like, if you come to a team with sponsorship money, they're probably more likely to pick you up. That's like the backbone of like their financial plan. I don't think it's so much a team sponsoring a team unless you like KBM, for example, he's got you know mobile one and JBL and all those pretty well in his back pocket. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know those are. That's my guess. Toyota sponsors almost, or yeah, JGR affiliated sponsors in general. Yeah, so those go along with the TRD program, the racing development program for Toyota pretty much brings those sponsors along, and they kind of just dish them out amongst the teams, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it's almost like it makes it more lucrative to run both Xfinity and trucks. You know, it's yeah. almost like it makes more sense to run both 
So that way yeah. it's, you've got a better package to sell to sponsors. But yeah, you've, got, you've got a wider reach. What I thought was super interesting, and I know we'll get to this as we progress through the show, but I thought it was really interesting, the parody um, for the truck series versus like cup series. The truck series, you know, it's all sealed Ilmore engines. They're all the same. I felt like that was kind of on full display in the truck series race, just how little power difference there kind of was between each of the trucks. It was just who was trimmed out a little bit, like had the suspension set up to be a little more trimmed out. I don't think that, well, well, we will get to this, but in terms of the cup versus truck powertrains, I don't think we saw more of a powertrain difference in the cup race than we did a aerodynamics difference. But again, we'll get to that when we get to the cup series. Brandon seems mm. confused, but I think I think it's a very valid argument given. Oh, no, I'm just I'm listening. I just okay. All right. <laughs> um, but anyways, <laughs> talk about the truck race some some more. Uh, we got to see Todd Bodine come back, make one of his six starts for the day. Um, wish we didn't. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't okay. He wasn't doing bad. He was getting accustomed to trucks that he hasn't driven or really had any time. I'm, I'm sorry. He got his ass kicked. He showed how much the trucks and how they've set up these stock car type cars, just how differently it's been. When you have that huge radiator pan and the big splitter and everything that they have, those cars are stuck to the ground. That was the one thing I noticed across all three series was that everybody it looked like was on that edge of battling, trying to keep the car sucked to the ground, like wicked high spring rate so that the thing just wouldn't leave the racetrack. And it looked like he was so uncomfortable with how twitchy that thing was. He is asking. There was a lot of them that were uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Um, those those pulling around a lot. Yeah. Mm. But, um, yeah. Yeah. He goes around. He was running 17th at the time. Um, ben Rhodes would take stage two. And was a common thing this weekend. If you took both the stages, just like any other time almost since we started stage racing, it was a curse to win both stages of the race prior to the final stage. Uh, that one was a little frustrating, but well, you know, eventually the KBM trucks took over after that. Um, oh, yeah. That happened. What happened? Uh, the you just left us all on the edge of our seats. Sorry, my apologies. Um, Whatever, you just clickbaited the two of us. That's not even fair at all. <laughs> Jack, Jack Wood and Jack Wood, Wood and Chase Purdy. What did you uh, say, Brandon? I said I'm so intrigued now, Chris. You got me. You got me <laughs> up. He has learned to capture his audience. <laughs> um, Jack Wood and Chase Purdy got together, or what? What the hell happened to where? I mean, I'm I'm not surprised. Can I say that? I'm not surprised that those two got you together. Say whatever you want. <laughs> well, no, because like I'm trying to no, yeah. One was one was KBM and one is uh Hattori now, right? Isn't Purdy with good question actually. MS, isn't it? No, because him and Ankrum. Yeah, no, yeah, he's he is he is Hattori because yeah. Hattori took Ankrum and Purdy and GMS took Enfinger and Jack Wood. Yeah. So, but that incident ended up taking out Jack Wood 
all at the same time as it seemed like Enfinger and um, Zane Smith were the only non-Toyota built trucks that could really contend with a uh, Thor Sport or Kyle Busch Motorsports. It seemed like, like yeah. mm. besides that, everyone else seemed out of the picture almost. Uh, yeah, Chris was up front and running good until he kind of lost his mind. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he's trying to push too hard right now to kind of prove himself, which I don't think he needs to do. He's been doing he's, that every year. He's been in the trucks now. I mean, that's the thing, though, is he's fighting for a job. He's fighting yeah. for a spot. Right. Um, There's a lot more on the line than it looks like. Yeah. So if he doesn't perform, then, then he's, he's done. But um, – so I can understand that, but it just looks like he's he's pushing too much to get to where he needs to be and to mm-hmm. have what he has. Yeah. Um, the results will come. He just he needed to let Kyle go and uh, race the next corner because ultimately I think they were two equal. Excuse me, two equal trucks. But uh, when you crowd somebody down like that, and Kyle didn't mm-hmm. do it as much as many people don't like Kyle Busch. Yeah. Um, which the the general consensus for that whole deal I saw was that Kyle just got in there, side drafted back onto Christian and uh, held his line. Christian kept coming, crowded him down the racetrack. Kyle never moved, and ultimately we see what happened. But um, just a bad deal. Yeah, yeah, that one uh, that one was a little bit more unfortunate. I did like to see uh, Eckes battle there, mm-hmm. but. Like you said, he he was just over aggressive right there. Um, you're racing literally the best guy to ever get in a truck in NASCAR. Yep. So, right. No matter how you perceive it, based on you know when he started getting in the trucks and all this and that, he's still the best guy. He's not running full seasons, and he still has the win record in the in the series. Right, because remember he raced for KBM in the 18 truck. Yeah. So, so I mean, you'd even think just to sit back and learn something for a second. Yeah. It's like, oh, See, your old boss could teach you a trick or two there, guy. Um, <laughs> God, that didn't take long. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you got a point, though. How yeah. long are you, can you sustain yourself in the series? Yeah. You know, like, like Brandon said, you're fighting for a job. It's one of those unseen struggles and the saddest thing is that he'll probably know you know if he's got a job well before any of us so that's however many races he knows if he's got a job or not and he's not yeah talking about he's driving wondering if he has a job you know that's the the backstory ish behind the scenes it makes you wonder what kind of pressure when you have young guys like Josevar like how, how that's starting to affect them you know and the psychology of it like sports psychology would tell you that the more that you keep pushing somebody like that, if they start to break, they might not be cut out for it. Yeah. And sadly, it's looking like he he needs to just like you said, he needs to run the race. You got to run the track. You got to mm-hmm. run your your strategy and, and let it go. Like you, you can't. You want to you want to think you can win every race, but you don't have to actually drive like I'm going to win this race no matter what. Because <laughs> that well, mentality doesn't get you very far. <laughs> Eckes was running a great race up until then. Like, he put himself in a spot 
to win that race. Oh, absolutely. I'd say it was one of his better, better performances. Yeah. Like, and there's been times where like, you've seen the, seen him race and it's like, all right, guy, like, what do we got going on here? But then there's other times where it's like, okay, okay. I can, you know, this is good. But, but um, Chandler Smith ends up winning. Yeah. He was the, he was mm. the kid that ended up holding him Kyle Busch off. Uh, back-to-back years, we've seen this at Las Vegas, actually. Last year was John Hunter, but I think it makes a little more sense with him. But uh, Chandler Smith definitely proved himself at least Friday night that he can run up there with the boss man. And Chandler was very impressive this weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's times where you see it and you're like, oh, you know, I'm not sure what's going to develop from this. But it that it be how it go. Um, he proved his worth in that race. Yeah, I want to take a quick look here at the standings for the trucks. I mean, granted, we're only two races in for them, but just to take a look, see who's where. Um, I think biggest surprise at the moment. There's still quite a few names that are below Klingerman and he's only ran Daytona mm-hmm. uh, Derek Krause but you know we saw his masterclass performance at Las Vegas uh, Grant Enfinger who should have finished <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were both laughing at that well played sir I just come back. I'm looking at the points. I got it half covering the, the Zoom screen. And I just hand back. And I just see both <laughs> of you. <laughs> master of something. Master class performance. I'm um, not sure what he's mastered. <laughs> Although I'm not sure I, I would want to master um, it. <laughs> uh, you good? Are you good there now? We're all good. You're good now? Yeah? Okay. I'll go back to reading. Um, yeah, Grant Enfinger, <laughs> I'm not sh- – I, I mean, he should be higher, but we saw how that ended up for him. Um, all right, so we're going to move on to the Xfinity series now. Uh, you ever, when you were ever in class, did your teacher ever tell you and your friends not to laugh? And so you look at each other and you know you're not supposed to start laughing and it makes you want to just laugh that much. Yep. <laughs> Everybody listening, that's how like the next three minutes will be. So, yeah, basically. <laughs> so we don't sound like we just came back and all, all of a sudden we brain melted. <laughs> um, okay, so you know what? If we're just going to, you know, keep on laughing, we had freaking snow in vegas you mm. know, on saturday that was awesome that was such a cool sight to see yeah like the the field it was a 42 minute red flag uh yeah I, snow in vegas well, it was, it's funny because was that it wasn't cold out there was it it, it, it was yeah it was, it was like sleet rain snow all that fun mumbo jumbo all mixed up together 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure the air temperature, which I thought was really, really interesting for the Xfinity race to watch, um, it was like mid 30s, which, yeah. you know, I'm sure you guys do. Like we talked about it before, like being in the northern part of the country, there is plenty of times in like the spring, even early summer and like the fall when racing is still very much going on that like you're talking freezing temperatures, like you're purposely like blocking off your radiator to go and run yeah. and that's how the xfinity race was and i really just on a side note i loved that the last time that it snowed it was bristol right <clears throat> like really like snowed bristol and then martinsville 2018 i think was really fun too when clint boyer had won because there was still like snow up against the inside wall like yeah. i love that aesthetic early on in the year that like there's snow visibly around because like there again might be weekends in like april where yeah you're racing and it's you, know, you had to get take snow off the trailer before you left you know, yeah. for the race. Like, I, I thought it was cool to see it without all the grandstands around and actually see that there. It felt nostalgic. There was definitely some uh, aesthetically pleasing shots to it. Um, I'm a sucker for, you know, images looking really nice for whatever reason. Um, I mean, honestly, though, I get what you mean. I, with, with family that's grown up in, in Colorado and like near the Rockies, it was a cool sight to see with like the snow and the mountains in the background. It just felt like for some reason, even though you knew it was Las Vegas, that we, like a, a generic early March racetrack yeah. in America. I, I, don't, I thought that <clears throat> it was also interesting to see too, because you could tell that it was horsepower weather. It was not like what it was for the trucks. And that's the point I was, that I had, was kind of alluding to earlier. Um, and Brandon, I don't know if you noticed this, but everybody was almost near like tape solid because that race, I think it only got up to like 40 degrees, which that's horsepower weather right there. <laughs> well, I think even the cup race was only what, like 55, 60 degrees or something like that. Like it wasn't very warm at all. It wasn't Vegas weather the entire weekend. Like, no. When you think of Vegas, you think of desert and just hot. Just think and I think of teammates and helping teammates and not pushing a competitor past your other two teammates. Or, you know, not getting into your teammate almost every week, like every series has done so far this year. Um, I, not <laughs> to jump the gun, I know you want to go through like the race a bit, but the finish of that race, I, I don't know, this is just my opinion, but Justin Allgaier had some explaining to do. I mean, Ty Gibbs kind of owed him a bit on that last restart, which was that sucked because had he not helped, it might have given the outside lane with Gregson. And I think it was I forget who was behind him. Barry? I think it was Josh Barry. Barry yeah. No, it was Bay, uh, Mayor. No, no because was Mayor pushing, Hemrick was pushing Gregson. My bad. Um, yes. All guy was fourth. So. He didn't really have a choice on which lane he picked, but he did choose. But he to push definitely Gibbs. pushed Gibbs out in yeah. front. And like that kind of, that was a little bit of a not nice thing I feel like to do because the, the JRM cars were up front, the bulk of the race, all yeah. of them were like genuine speed. Yeah. But I mean, I guess we can jump to that because we went over a little bit of time doing trucks so we can jump to that. Um, final restart. We see Gregson and guy Gregson and Gibbs out front. Uh, Hemrick and Allgaier pushing them. Uh, Allgaier basically hands the race to Gibbs as he's able to um, push forward ahead of Gregson through the first of the 
two laps of the final shootout and ultimately winning the race. Gregson second, Hemrick third, Josh Berry got the fourth, Allgaier fell to fifth. Uh, Landon Castle was a nice surprise in the top 10, Sheldon Creed. He's been one to watch. Oh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but Landon Castle, I, I have to interject how impressed that I am of the resurgence of him. The renaissance of some of these older guys is just so fun to watch. And he's not even that old, but he's just been there. He's just been there forever, it seems like now, which I'm not against at all. I I like to see the guys that actually work for what they're racing. Yeah. It's nice to see some of these guys aren't jaded. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can be in the sport for a decade and then everything just seems kind of, you know, yeah. it's nice to see that these guys still appreciate and love every opportunity you get into a car. I think it's kind of a common misconception once you make it to the cup series or something like that, right? Racing is just going to always be available. No matter what, you're always going to find something to drive. And that's not how it works. You know, these guys, it's cool to see that are appreciative, like doing something with it, man. Like Trevor Bain, like last weekend at Fontana. Yeah. Like, it's just such a fun thing to see an athlete be able to still have that within them and not be, you know, have it diminished because of time. Like all guy or Barry castle um almondinger we want to talk about someone who loves the yeah. fact that he's out on track oh, almondinger a hundred percent that guy cherishes each and every opportunity that he gets to get on track um i also like to look at guys like alex lebay um was able to speak to him on the you know older podcast i had with a couple of guys he was he was great to talk. He, he, he just loves being out on track. He loves, he loves racing anything he can get his hands on. Um, I look at guys like Jeremy Clements who runs everything out of, you know, his garage. It seems like, uh, I look at guys like that. Like it's not, there's not many of the young guys that I enjoy in terms of, a person or not i don't want to say personality but just like how they got there uh and yeah that's basically i, I think yeah. that's basically it uh ty gibbs won the race you know anyway and that so like brandon what did you think of that contact i know you have your reservations about ty gibbs but like what did you think of that incident no comment next question <laughs> well, I got no skin in the game like you do. I thought that was bullshit, but it was a great learning moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Brian Sieg, unfortunately, I figured would have had more talent to have actually returned the favor and meant it. So that was kind of a bummer to see. But his point wasn't wrong. You know, Ty Gibbs needed to learn that that's not the way to race. Like you can't just assume because you're not actually touching somebody that you're not really affecting their car. Ahead. Unfortunately, the... The reservations that I have are held by a lot of people. Uh, that's that Ty Gibbs will never have to worry about a job another day in his life. Nope. No. No, ever. Nope. But I'll tell but, you what, he is going to learn his damn lesson at, if and, at if and team, when he gets to the Cup Series because his teammates at, won't put up with it. At the same token, at the same token, I feel like Ty Gibbs is trying to race like somebody he's not. Uh, I feel like he's been trying to push to be the next Kyle Bush. <clears throat> and 
Kyle Bush went to multiple different organizations and dominated in each one of them. Yep. Ty, Ty Gibbs is just coming up through JGR. Mm-hmm. Solely. It's never going to have to worry about that. Yep. So. And the worst part of it all is that he does have genuine talent. It's just yep. his personality and the way that it was developed out of him. You know, you look at like a Chase Elliott, right? You could argue he kind of had a similar path, not to get us too far off topic, but like you, you can get to that level. It's if you do something with it and he is doing something with it. The problem is his personality. You can tell he knows that he doesn't have to worry about it. You know, like you're saying, like he knows it and he's not really trying to like hide it at all. And he got out of the car and the very first thing he said was, well, I have to think, you know, thanks his faith and whatever. And that that's fine. But it, it seems almost insincere from him. It almost seems like how Kyle Bush is like, well, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Just here so I don't get fined. Like doing the bare minimum to literally not look right. like you're a complete jerk. You know what I mean? Like that, that was a BS move with Sieg. And he knows it. Could have gotten out of the car. And, I mean, I understand getting out of the car, thanking your faith. There's nothing wrong with that. But get out of the car when you're, when you're, when you're talking like that at least show some emotion and some, uh, I guess, respect towards what just happened. It, it seems like a program response, right? Like there, a, a rehearsed response, not a genuine one. I didn't see or feel any respect in that response that he gave. Right. Uh, I don't remember the reporter, uh, whoever, whoever, which, whichever reporter it was. Um, it I think just, it was Vince Welch. Yeah. Uh, none, none of it, it just didn't seem genuine there, there was nothing there so like like you guys have said mm-hmm. i've got my own reservations due to my own on-track incidents and run-ins with him but uh he's got the talent he's definitely got the talent um there's no doubt about it phenomenal race car driver but he's just he's just not using not using his head when it comes to to talking. I don't think. I um. This is immaturity. Yes. Well, you gotta remember he's what eighteen still, right? He only turned eighteen last year. But at the same time, how long has he been racing? No. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just saying. But uh, I I think. Depending on who is still in the Cup Series when he gets up to the Cup level. I mean, and they're probably already in his ear. But his Cup Series teammates are going to be like, hey, don't don't race us like that. Because if you do, we are not oh, yeah. nice. Denny Hamlin can barely handle a race on his own. Like, imagine having to deal with Ty Gibbs, too. Not going not gonna to happen. Speaking of AJ Allmendinger. <laughs> Speaking hey, of man. Cup Series drivers and uh, their unfortunate happenings, let's uh, let's move on to the Cup Series actually, and talk about the wonderful events that that that, that played out. Um, I honestly think, just to start off right away, I personally liked 
seeing the next gen cars race and all that. Um, oh yeah. There was a bit of um so oh, word you used it earlier and I am blanking on the word already. But it it doesn't seem that all of the top teams are there. There's there's your sprinkle of RCR, your track house, and Eric Jones that are like, hey yo, we can we can race with you guys. Like this isn't now the ironic thing is those are all RCR, you know, backed teams basically. Um because I know track house sure. track house gets a lot of help from RCR still. And obviously Petty does because their cars are basically built there. But so you're really seeing five or six guys that almost all come out of one shop contending with Hendrick, contending with Gibbs and Penske. There's still some other teams that I would like to see run better. Um, but it's only the third week. It is. You know, and I think the reason that you're seeing that change in the parody of everybody, like, is that it's it's about the engineering. There's less that you're building and more that you're buying, you know? So there's less that you're finding your gray area interpretation and adding it yeah. versus like, no, that's the part. You can't touch it. We've seen that, like, you know, NASCAR is like unzipped and whipped it out, like slapped it on the table of like, this is how we're doing these penalties this year. You know what I mean? So like, I think a lot of it is just how the engineers are doing things. It's fun to watch because everybody, right? Each individual has their own interpretation of how they might look at the rules and how things should be working and how things should be set up based on data and things like that. So at the end of the day, the 99, the one, the 42, the 43, right? They all have their own engineers for each of those cars so that's four different interpretations of what the rules are i think it really shows that the next gen car has that capability that everybody can like you said show up and race yeah, like we yeah. can come to play now yeah i mean and there's gonna be your you know back market teams that are still gonna struggle um we we saw one time lajoy tried to stay out on old tires and just that was a bad idea but tires definitely matter a lot. That was the biggest thing that I noticed. And I was having the argument with myself inside. I don't think it's Goodyear's fault. I really don't. I just think teams are like, they don't know where that limit is yet. You know, you don't know where like you should start to anticipate when a tire is going to go, because I, from what I've seen, like there is some consistency and it's only the third weekend. So it'll take some time to pad that notebook, but you can say like, we're good into lap 40 on fuel, but like by lap 30, we see an, an, a concerning amount right of tire wear yeah. on the tire so we basically now have a tire window that we can predict too which is something that's never really happened in nascar well so, no especially the past three years because you know hmm. tire fall off wasn't a thing the past three years in the cup series but anyway um because <laughs> we know how lovely the end <laughs> of the gen six was for nascar i still i still firmly think that it was a solid race we saw. Um, Keselowski was a great pick for all of us to stay the hell away from, as Ryan Blaney unfortunately found out. Uh, sad noises. Um, and <laughs> what tough race cars, though, man! Oh, like yeah. that, they a lot of guys made things work. I'm starting to also see teams figure out how to fix problems. 
you talk about a toe link, right? I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if you start to see some crew guys maybe having them zip tied to their belt the same way you'd have that monologue, maybe the extra lug. You have it zip tied, so you just snap the zip tie and then that's how you put it. I'd be surprised if you start seeing toe links and shit like that too, because yeah. it, they're, so, they're so fast and easy to work on. It's finally like what race cars have been. And this is why. Well, you know, NASCAR's, this is what, fin- NASCAR's finally gotten, you know, caught yeah. up in terms of how quickly it is to change parts in and out right it's about damn time but uh and everyone- to, to further your point without derailing us too too much yeah you talked about um the ability for everybody to show up now and kind of anybody can be a factor those tow links for an example those are not built those are bought that's another part that like you can't make it lighter you can't change you know whatever that you you buy it you install it that's it and it's such an integral part it, like it furthers your point. This car is robust as hell. That kind of contact and stuff that you had seen out of Blaney earlier would have ruined his race by far, just with how minute I mean, those changes it, are. It did, it did ruin his race. but And <laughs> I think that you're going to start to see teams. You, you think some cars getting back out on track is like, wow, this is great. I don't think we've seen anything yet. I think you're going to start to see teams like start swapping out parts, like full corners of the car on pit stops. Oh, yeah. It's coming. It'll, it'll happen at some point, um, but that definitely, the contact with Keselowski and Blaney really kind of started a lot of it. Um, we had early on, before that, we had uh, Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon do a simultaneous spin, which <laughs> the fact that Kyle Busch did not hit a single other car was, was very impressive. That was absolutely insane of him. That he did not hit a single other car in that at that point. Mm. That that was incredible skill on display, and I, I'm not a Kyle Busch fan, but that was incredible skill. Yeah, display. yeah. Like, there's always so many things drivers can do at certain points, but he was just like, "Hey, yo, watch this. I'm not gonna hit." A and I, person. it's funny too because, again, like I've talked to some other friends about this. The only things that really come to mind when you think about just how big, how monumental of what they proved with that 18 car this weekend was to look back to like uh, Scott Sharp when he crashed at, I think it was Road Atlanta back in the day, ALMS. It was a Lamar prototype, shattered the car into pieces. The only thing that was left was the tub. And so there's a time lapse that has had become viral for a while of them rebuilding the car from scratch. And then he went out the next day and was fastest in warmup just to show like, you know, that's the name of the game or uh, Audi at like Monza one year uh, with a P1 program car cut in the air and wreck. They took a car that had no business racing at all. It was a parts car and then went out and were competitive with it. I mean, like, first of all, hats off to the team because that is so much more difficult than it seems like that is not an easy task at all. It's one thing to get a car race ready. It's another thing to get it to pass inspection and be allowed to hit the racetrack. Like that's where that, that level gets higher. But the fact you can do that with this car, oh man. Oh, this is a this is gonna be a really fun season. <laughs> this is well, gonna be a great season. You mentioned teams rebuilding cars and stuff. I've been preparing myself for whatever made up rivalry Drive to Survive makes up this year. So I've been watching the, <laughs> I've been watching the past seasons. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. gonna shit on Drive to Survive sometimes. Um, because as much as I watch F1 and then seeing this, I'm like, no. Like, that's not, no, this is made up. Mm-hmm. But um, when Marcus Erickson had his wreck 
It was Monza. Yeah. And that's right. He was out on track for the race the next day. Yep. Like that car. And again, it's destroyed. <laughs> like it, it, it is literally like, and again, I'm sorry, I brought us off topic a little bit here, but I just looking as the engineering side of me, the, the business of the sport side of me, like all the different areas of where there were concerns about this next gen car. It's not only putting those to rest. It's also kind of showing like, this is such an incredible path forward that we're going. And the other thing that's worth mentioning too, as far as what we're talking about, like the technical stuff is you will literally see bodywork change throughout the season. Now, if Toyota is like, Hey, we found something and NASCAR is like, yeah, sure. You could literally see an entirely different front fascia on the car midway through the season, just because I mean, they're not homologating the Fords and made them change their front end. Anyway. Um, I mean, possibly, but you get my point, right? Like these cars are going to continue to morph as the street cars do. And that's that in and of itself is so exciting to watch what what Kyle Busch did. I am not a Kyle Busch fan either. I was pulling for him at the end. I was pulling for him hard. Yeah, it was. um, I don't know. I don't want to jump right away to that, Um, but we'll continue on. So first stage, uh, Alex Bowman. Ended up winning the first stage. Forgot to mention that. Um, he quite literally was up there. He was a solid threat. I think most of the race that people forget when they look at Alex Bowman wins, especially yesterday. You know, spoiler alert. Anyways, if you don't know by now and you're listening to this, then um, I don't know what to tell you. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, if you weren't was... watching the race, you're a weenie. <laughs> I was going to make a joke. Sorry, no, not sorry. No, no. Um, stage two. I mean, I think these guys. Okay. So I think what we're seeing with the next gen car, yes, there's still dirty air that can affect sometimes. But of course, and that's never going to go away. Yeah, you're not going to be able to. Not unless you race in a vacuum. (laughs) But I think we saw a longer run on restarts in terms of everyone jockeying for position than we did last year in the years previous with the old car. I I think Mm -hmm. we saw more competitive racing for a longer amount of time with this car than we did the old one. I don't know if that was just me or what, but... I have thought about that. And I think that it's because it's such a difficult thing to get the power down with this car. It's so hard to put the power down. Throttle time. Yeah. And so like, it makes, (laughs) I mean, if you were to break down as a driver coach, right. I would look at as if I had telemetry, how long are you off the throttle? Like whoever is getting back to the throttle sooner is going to be the fastest. And it's putting the fundamentals of racing on full display. The inside line is faster, but you have more off throttle time to get the car to rotate. That's the bottom line. And you have to put more wheel into it to keep it from binding up. Now the outside, you can get on the throttle maybe earlier, right? But you're running the furthest distance around and you have the smallest margin to make a mistake or you're going to touch the wall, which we've seen with the independent rear suspension. You can knock that right rear way out of alignment and do it fast. happen real quick. Yeah. So like, I think that the side to side racing that you're seeing, again, I know it's because of the independent rear suspension. Honestly, but the way that the car is delivering power, the way teams it look, looks like are setting up the rear differentials, I think, and starting to figure it out. Because again, you, th- this year, now you can vector power 
to one wheel or the other. Like I wouldn't be surprised if you hear of some teams probably having like almost a right rear wheel drive <laughs> car. Like if you were to take the both rear wheels and have each one at 50%, you might see the, the right rear wheel getting like 70% of the power all the time. That's what you can do with. So like, you, I think what we're seeing is that ability to like put the, the throttle down. That, that's what I noticed because I agree with you, Chris. I had wondered why the cars are running so well side by side. Look, the, the move for the win. Alex Bowman knew that if he jumped inside of Kyle, he could at least hang there. And yeah. even though he'd have to wait way, way longer to get on the throttle than he ever had, because he drove it in way deeper than he oh, ever yeah. had the whole race, that Kyle, if he didn't wait longer to get on the throttle, was going to be too close if Alex made a mistake and they were both going to be gone. They did race each other super clean. But like, oh, yeah. at least that's how I saw it. Like if I were to have on paper on a graph in front of me and I was trying to make somebody faster, I'd be looking at their off throttle time and then weighing out how did that ratio work to, between which line you're moving in. That was my observation. I think they race each other very well because of what a certain team owner that also happens to be the owner of their vehicle <laughs> said to them after last week's race. But yeah. I mean, either way, Bowman did state, and I, I have seen it before, actually looking back at some clips, they have always raced each other very hard, but very well. Like, I can't think of a time those two have made contact in the past year. When, yeah. Yeah, yeah think about it for a second. That's because, you know, everyone knows when Hendrick teammates make contact with each other. Like, that's, that's just a thing. But. Yeah, I mean, and I think that the media made this a lot more than it needed to be. Okay, well. You know, as usual, I. Yeah, I bet you it was a non-event to both of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I bet they, that I'm sure Chase was like annoyed, which is totally normal well, and like pissed. Yeah, yeah, but like I don't think it was like, man, I owe Larson one. Or like this isn't a team, this is bullshit. Like he made a mistake, whatever. Yeah. I don't think it, to them it mattered at all, but the media is making it seem like it was this whole big thing. In in the moment, Chase was pissed. He was fuming. Right. Wouldn't you be too? Like, I, I don't know about you, Brandon, but like, I, I'm glad sometimes that people couldn't hear, like, you know, what's going on inside my helmet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm vocal. I'm pretty <laughs> in my own head when something goes wrong. But so I, I understand him getting all upset during the race, but I'm sure, I'm sure after, after the race is over, it was, they talked for a little bit. And then, well, I mean, he, he finally okay. had a chance to, beat his teammate on an oval because we all know that don't happen anymore it seems like um <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, it, it, it's true though like he, yeah. he hasn't there's something going on with him and i don't know what it is I, i'm worried that i am a chase elliott fan but i'm worried his head is getting big you know what i mean i'm worried he's starting to have a little bit of an ego it's funny because he doesn't have the personality to do that right He's too quiet if he's going to have that. If he's going to have that mindset, he's too quiet to have it. Like, you, right. can't, you can't be doing that and be a just makes you silent wonder. driver. Like, yeah. Look at Bowman, right? Yeah. Bowman has the same kind of on track problems. He'll say something. <laughs> <laughs> How, what's the over under? They bulldoze Vegas now. <laughs> They're just going to have the dirt to be track. his shtick. 
They're just gonna have the dirt track in the bull ring. That's it. They're not gonna have a mile <laughs> and a half anymore. <laughs> I mean, Auto Club is definitely destined to get rebuilt. I mean, hell, Bowman won there, so there's still there's still the chance of it. I wonder if they will now. Probably. I think no, it, no, they won't. They won't. I think they should just repave it. No, I think they just need to keep grinding until there's nothing to grind anymore, and then uh, repave it. Two mile dirt track. Full sense. Now that would be sick. That think, would be something. We're going to go Larson way off on this one. Field day on the field. <laughs> okay, but like I'm so with that idea because that doesn't exist. Can yeah. you imagine doing 165, 170 miles an hour on the you dirt? But for like. Be able to go that fast into the corners. <laughs> Good. What? What's that? You would have to lift at the flag stand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a half mile. But how cool would that be to see? Oh man, I, see, I would, I would Dude, imagine what it if takes one guy, if one guy catches a rut and just. But it would be incredible to watch. That'd be amazing to watch. You could have no fans. You could not have fans, have fans at that event. No, everything that, would go. You, you bring like wing sprints or something there. You're doing two hundred and like a eleven hundred or twelve hundred horsepower wing sprint car. Just whoop, lifting, and then you catch Wide your butt. Open but you're the entire time. instead of like flipping over at like 120 or 30, you're at like 190, <laughs> and you just like absolutely. It's it's like the wee bowling thing where it's like ding ding. ding it would be an absolute piss missile. <laughs> piss missile. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is a piss missile? You've never heard that before. Come on, you're only the me. You should have known this. this. You've never Jeez, heard of a no. piss missile before? No. <laughs> There's Brandon. so many innuendos <laughs> that are like... <laughs> Dude! Ross Chastain on stage two! That came out of nowhere! That was cool, man. That was great to see. He's another one of those guys that you know is just ecstatic that that's how it went. Oh, yeah. Like, it. genuine surprise that I couldn't have been more excited about. Um, I like to see him do well. Uh, I feel like we don't see it enough. So. So, anyways, it was nice to see Ross Chastain win uh, the stage. Uh, third mm-hmm. stage was more uneventful i would say than the other two ross chastain led it until just about green flag pit stops and then the jgr cars were able to jump him after we saw uh another jgr car completely lose talent i wonder who that was you guys have any idea i think he's a hack isn't he absolute Mm -hmm. hack oh wait no i laughed so hard when that happened, all I, I was sitting by myself in my living room and all I could say was let's go Hamlin. Like, <laughs> because that was absolutely incredible to see. I'm sitting there on the couch and I'm like, let's go Hamlin. Cause I knew right away what he did by himself. Yeah. Come on. He downshifted. I yeah. like, I not to, for whatever, but like, I knew it right away. I knew there was nobody down there. The wheel didn't come off. Nothing sketchy happened. How do you just spin it all of a sudden by yourself? 
because you think you're going from second to third and you go back to second and you bounce the thing off the box <laughs> and the transmission's like, dude, no, I'm not doing this at all. <laughs> it just shears the main shaft. And the next thing you know, day done. And AJ Allmendinger sitting somewhere in the shadows with like a silhouette of light over his face laughing. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> you have. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I... Unbelievable. I ain't even gonna lie. I laughed when it happened. <laughs> Especially the Hamlin Harvick when he called himself the worst driver on track all day. I'm like, damn. <laughs> well, like I didn't think he, he had any accountability. A new one, like he he did it himself on that. I didn't hear him say anything taking responsibility for it. Maybe I just didn't hear enough of no, his he interviews. Didn't, but... He didn't uh, in his interview, but on Twitter, the first thing he said was best car all day, but worst driver on track. I was like, good. Whoa. Good. Because his TV interview, which whatever, but like the TV interview is what really matters. You know what I mean? Everybody from like a casual passing by fan to the real fan started on TV and he didn't want to say sorry to his team to his, you know what I mean? Like the driver and Brandon, I'm sure you get this, but like the, the driver, you are just a part of a team. You know yep. what I mean? You're just the guy that holds the steering wheel and straps into it. That's it. Everybody's there for the car. You know yep. what I mean? And you just broke that car. You, the, nobody, the, the team didn't come to the racetrack to support you. Yeah. You came with the team to support the car. And as a team, you want the car to win. The competition is amongst the cars. Okay. Like the driver is just the wheel holder. And every time I broke something, like I apologized to my guys. It was the equivalent of, you know, if I threw an interception that turned into a pick six and now we've lost the game as the quarterback, I'm sorry. I made a bad judgment call. I let us down. Detroit you know, fan. like, Detroit fans are crying right now hearing that statement. <laughs> uh, uh, with who won the Super Bowl? Anyway, uh, <laughs> but you get my you get my point, right? Like I don't know. I, I feel like it was a great moment for me to warm back up to Hamlin. If he was just like, "I'm sorry, I, I gotta say sorry to everybody." Yeah, he didn't he say didn't. anything like that. Nope, he didn't say a single damn thing like that. He's another four-letter word that ends with CK. <laughs> and it's not hack. I don't like Hamlin anymore. I never did, but now I really don't. That made me upset. Dude, you would think I, as like a team owner that you would have to like use your words a little better when you're describing your Not part. to mention, can we just like appreciate the fact of the ramifications that just had? Where was his backup car? Oh, wait, Kyle Bush Running second. <laughs> his backup car was literally in the race. You just screwed your team so hard. Dude, I find it funny. How come, like, there were no other backup cars for JGR, but Hamlin had one? Did they, like, intend on him breaking well, it? My, I have a, a conspiracy theory because I saw that joke. The show car, right? If you see the Fox, like, preview, yeah. it's the 11. I think that was JGR's, like, show car to yeah. just bring around and, and show off the, what the next gen was. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think they I used the eleven as the flagship. I found it ironic. But, I uh, did too. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, what would you say, Brandon? You were cutting out, buddy. I think it was just the rear window that they oh, had. Oh, I know, but I, I just found it funny. I, it was it, it was, was funny. funny. It's ironic as hell, but <laughs> yeah. It is wicked funny, but like, I don't know. It just adds to like, can we appreciate that? This is what we're looking at. This is the NASCAR we're looking at in 2022. Yep. Where was the 11 Joe Gibbs racing FedEx Toyota's backup car? It was on the racetrack already. It was never there. 
Like yeah. what a time to be alive. This is such a cool thing to see. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's honestly, I mean, it's like we've said this, it's going to be the word of the year is parody. Mm-hmm. Like sure. They're, you know, out of the same shop, but one car is not set up to really like run full tilt like everything else. But speaking of that, we're getting close to the end of the race. It looks like it's going to be a JGR shootout. Kyle Busch is finally able to get like that much ahead of Truex. And then Eric Jones just, I don't even know what to describe what happened. I don't want to use the words losing talent because that's incorrect. But knocked Ooh. arches. Tried to. That, that particular incident made me very upset. I was screaming at the TV, throw the yellow, throw the yellow, throw the yellow. Because like, Come on. Yeah. Everybody, you don't need to have a, you know, some like huge background to know that when these cars crash, the wheels break. Yeah. He didn't, ha- the front of the car wasn't even on the, like the front wheels weren't even on the ground. I'm pretty yeah. sure he broke the steering box clearly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. smashed the right no, front corner. Zero steering in that car at all. He, there was nothing he could do to keep that car off the track, which yeah. again, that's not like a, we need to find a way to keep these cars from coming back up on the track. No, you need to find a way to no. throw a yellow like that. Yeah. Like immediately. And that made me upset because they, it they screwed it Bubba so, Wallace. They did it so well at Daytona in Auto Club. And then mm-hmm. yesterday they just fell asleep. That made me upset. That could have been really scary, really fast. That should have been a it yellow the second was. he came off the wall. It almost was. The the pace car is ready to come out. And Bubba came sliding right by. It had to have been what? 20 feet? If that. If that. If that I in mean, front the, of him. People that, that like, shit on Bubba Wallace for his driving, he may not be the best, like, you know, long endurance driver, but he's got talent as a driver, and that talent. showed. That, that was impressive to miss that car. He, he could have absolutely destroyed Eric Jones, but yeah. he didn't because, you know, reaction time is a thing um, mm-hmm. that not everyone has. <clears throat> Arca breaks. Um, <laughs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> um, people shit on Arca for the brakes, but I think it's the drivers that are that are you know forgetting there's a left pedal there or a middle pedal there. Um, a couple people only, a couple people at Daytona only had about three thousand feet to hit brakes. Yeah. <laughs> they only had a country mile to hit the brakes there. Um, I mean, like I don't know that that was another instance where the race. I think this race stood out to me because now that is setting a little bit of a precedent for me to watch with NASCAR. I would gladly critique if there should have been a yellow faster. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's something that, sure, you could argue the spotters maybe should have brought that along quicker, but still, I, I, I felt like that was such an unnecessary risk, yeah. and I felt bad for Eric Jones. I don't think it was his fault. Like I, I mean, the car snapped out. Sure. Yeah. Did he not react fast enough? Sure. Like we all have to crash to find our limit, but that, that should have been a yellow right away. It makes you wonder about the virtual safety car idea in NASCAR. I won't right. ever see that. That, that, no. I mean, I think one thing that I would like to see, we're going to save that until the end of the month because we're going to be going to a road course. So I will discuss that then. Yeah. We're going to save that till the end of the month. When we it's go going on the, the notepad here. Yeah. Um, but anyways, let's wrap up this. Uh, we have a two-lap shootout. Um, the Hendrick teams just absolutely 
blew everyone away on pit road, taking two tires. Um, Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman, we know who wins, but man, did those two have an absolute duel to the line in those two laps. I love that. Neither one was fully ahead. Like they were still side by side in some capacity, almost the entire two laps until the exit of four. Um, side drafting was put on full display. These guys just absolutely went at it in front of the field. And I'm kind of happy that no one kind of came up to them and intervened because I think it would have created chaos that no one wanted to see. Instead, we got like a perfect example of racing mm-hmm. side by side for two laps that was not artificial at all like the past couple of years yes i'm still going to shit on the gen 6 because it was a terrible car looking back at it already compared to this but that, that, this was a great this was an absolute yeah. duel like that was a true clean good race no arrow crap no like you know yeah splitter bottoming out you know wide open the whole lap i i this is why i I, it was hard for me to take the last two years really of nascar seriously as far as like what the cars were because they were just so atrocious and so ugly and not they didn't make sense to what the sport was supposed to be i agree with you that not only was that a fantastic like display of driving between the two of them but i think how every race now has the possibility to end with this next gen car simply because of that diffuser and flat bottom alone. Like the dirty air does not do what it's done in the past. No. You can send it. You, you can send it. I, it was, I mean, okay. So the third stage might not have been as good as the other two stages, but I think we saw a better race. no, Auto Club was so good. Auto Club is always so good of a race. But I I think this sets a... Pre- it's a different kind of race. Yeah. I think this sets a precedent for the rest of the intermediates that we're going to the rest of the season. I agree with. This is what we're expecting to see. If we don't see it, we're going to be upset. And I think the Vegas, especially because it's weathered out so much and it's so rarely used, it's becoming a little... It's starting to show its character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Vegas now has aged quite a bit. And There's that's one track that I already know I'm going to be disappointed in, in the mile and a half. Well, two of them actually in terms what? of the oval spec, but that'll be Texas and Charlotte. Charlotte's just too smooth. Stuff. I think, I really do think that you're going to see some, uh, not to go too far away, but yeah, the PJ one's not going to like these cars. No, it's not going to like these cars at all. Like itself. Yeah, it doesn't like itself. It doesn't like itself. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're going to see it used much. I, I, yeah, I am curious to, to come back to that with you at some point because I, yeah. I don't think that those racetracks are going to fall like short like they did before. We'll see. Let's uh, break down the top 10. Uh, obviously, Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson, 1-2. Ross Chastain, third. Good to see. Huge, that team. Huge. Absolutely huge. I mean, he needed something after the first two weeks. Uh, Kyle Busch, fourth. Arguably should have won. I will be mentioning his quote in a second here. Uh, William Byron was fifth. So we saw Hendrick three, three of the top five. Uh, Eric Almarola puts in another top 10. What a hell of a start to the season for him. Um, Tyler Reddick seventh after being nowhere. It seemed like all day yesterday. Uh, Truex ended up finishing eighth. Chase Elliott ninth. Christopher Bell 10th. 
So we saw two of the big uh, teams have three or four of their entire team in the top 10, which, yeah, sure, that doesn't show much parity, but it was also the drivers just putting on their display of skill. Like, what else are you going to do with that? So. I mean, I feel like it was definitely reflective of, you know, both team and driver, yeah. 100%. I mean, <clears throat> I think the the reason that you see guys like you mentioned, Reddick, who really wasn't a factor all day, is how well are you able to relay information? Because um, you know those guys are working on the car all day long. And it's a lot more quick access adjustability with the next gen. Um, so I, I definitely look at that aspect of it too. Um, because that's going to show you, I think, more of who to expect to be successful in the coming weeks. Because if you're able to adjust effectively on the fly and make those changes quickly on stops, you know, so maybe you go from mid pack and now you're starting to make progress. The team and your car chief and your strategist are like, Oh shit, we're on to something. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And like, keep you know, finding that way. And the car starts moving up, moving up. I think that this is going to be a really fun season to see also who, which team starts to figure this out the fastest, you know? I mean, I think overall we'll see the hundred teams figured out the fastest. They've already got two wins this year. Um, next week we're heading to a track that honestly is a JGR and Hendrick playground the past few years with Phoenix. Um, I'm not sure what to expect. We saw testing there with the next gen cars. I can't remember seeing any lap time, so I'm not sure who's going to be the guys there, but you got to expect, I think the top three teams to be, the competitive ones. Um, I know Penske and SHR are definitely looking to close that gap real quick, almost as quickly as possible, because, well, they have to. Um, what else? What What do you guys What do you guys think of Phoenix coming up? Oh, I, I love Phoenix. I just love the totally different characteristics and dynamics of that racetrack. Um, it just races so much different to any other place we go we go to on the schedule. Um, mm. Puts on a good show all the time. Restarts are always fun there, uh, especially ever since they moved the start-finish line. Uh, yeah, so yeah. It's been creating a lot of interesting finishes there. So very excited to see what happens with the next-gen car and how they race. Uh, it's test, testing seemed to go pretty all right there. The guys are trying to find that edge, but – just going to see what these guys do. I expect a couple of big things to stand out. <clears throat> First of which, in testing, they were making the car work on the wall. Yeah. The inside line on the wall, which tells me that these cars, and inherently so, because just how that suspension, independent suspension sh starts to shine, it, do it does better on flat racetrack than it does on banking. That's just the, the kind of the bare truth of it, which is why they've been so twitchy and so sensitive and the oval so far. I expect one, who can run that inside line the best? Two, who brought the strongest transmission? <laughs> because I expect shifting. to see a lot of shifting going on yeah. finally, I which I'm excited about. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting. Can we just say like Danica did such a good job on the race yesterday. I, I love listening to her commentary because she's hundred percent right in IndyCar and they would go to Phoenix, right? You're fourth down the straightaway. 
fifth down the straightaway, maybe down to fourth in the corners, fifth up you know, in the straightaway, fourth down the corner. If you get up behind somebody and get a draft down the straightaway, that's maybe when you grab sixth. But otherwise, you've got like three gears that you're working with that all have different responses in the car when you do that. None of these guys have done anything like that, and it's going to happen at Phoenix. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned her in the broadcast. The only thing that I have against, against her in the broadcast yesterday was, did you know that she raced IndyCar? Like in, in IndyCar, like, you know, in IndyCar, that you almost well, okay, a but- drinking game out of any time she said IndyCar because – it was pretty. It was pretty close. It was pretty well, damn because, close. All right, but, but let me let me battle you on this one though, okay. because I I will back her up on this, and I, because I really do agree with her. I listened to her. No, I, I completely agree. These with cars her, are but the amount. These of cars are more like, but they are these cars are more like Indy cars, and and I it's it's NASCAR, but like these cars, the way they drive are so much more like IndyCar. And she was a very good IndyCar driver. Like that was how she no, became she famous. No, she was. I, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. It's like the old saying, speak to your strengths, right? She knows she wasn't a very good NASCAR driver. Yeah. So why would you want to talk about your NASCAR career? <laughs> and the cars don't drive like the old NASCARs. They drive more like the IndyCars. Dude, there was a couple of times I did laugh at some of the things that she said. Boy, boy, what was it? Boyer said something about, um, uh, he mentioned, oh, yeah, you know, I like champagne. And Danica was just like, you like beer. And I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, they're <laughs> like, friends. They're friends I off the racetrack. And you can see ass off at that. Like, that chemistry was really funny. But, like, yeah. I will say, again, like, this is what I noticed before we even had talked about this. It bothered me a couple of times that she was interrupted by Clint. Because yeah. when I think it was Eric Jones had an issue, it was it Jones? It was somebody, it might have been Christopher Bell, but somebody lifted. I think it was uh, whoever wrecked in front of Chase Briscoe uh, in the 14, I think it was. It was like right in front of him. But whoa. she was trying to say that, that he came off the corner, right? Coming off the corner, she's like, well, it sounded like he lifted. And Clint Boyer just continued to talk for the next like 30 seconds straight as they showed the replay. But I really wanted to hear that because lift throttle oversteer is a very real thing. Brandon, you can kind of explain more of that but if but like i I really thought that was a very astute observation because that is also a thing with these cars people say they like it the the gen 4 and you have the big ride height but the problem with that is literally if you lift all that weight has a place to go now and just drops and the rear end becomes that much lighter because you've lifted off the throttle and i thought that was a great observation because it's that much more emphasized with the new suspension that is relative to an indy car but that I thought she got interrupted a lot, and I really wanted to hear some of the stuff she had to say. I okay, I know we're like going beyond <laughs> what we want to, but we have to talk about Fox's broadcasting. Now that the the camera angles and all that were very good yesterday, big big up from Auto Club and Daytona, but the commentary just isn't getting better, except for the guests that they have in the booth. Mike like Joy was very good. Mike Joy has lost his touch. This, well, hold on. Has anybody noticed that Mike Joy has sounded sad in the last few yeah. years? Like you can hear like, the boredom in that man's voice. Darryl that Walter man retired has seen, and he's like, he's done. He's, he's well, done. like, I think the thing with Mike Joy is he genuinely cares about the sport. He's a Ken Squire yeah. or a Dick Berger, right? He's uh, somebody who is a, a, a journalist that I'm sure is like a role model in the same way to you because he is 
an enthusiast of driving. He does vintage racing. He does a lot of stuff with him being in the car on track just because he wants to be more in touch with it and has been for like 35 years. He has seen the greatest days of the sport and he's now seen the worst days of the sport. And I think that I'm starting in my opinion from listening to him, hear him get excited again. He sounded excited yesterday. It made me happy. It sounded like my joy was getting happier and that's what Fox needs more of. The only thing that like really upset me about him yesterday, like, and I'm never one to shit on Mike Joy. Like, like you said, he is someone that you look up to when you're trying to come through the ranks of media, especially in NASCAR. But he sounded bored when Bowman and Larson were going side by side the entire time. Like I think he was letting it play out. Shootout. If you listen to the replay yeah, if again, he he's got enthusiasm there. If he will, if he was letting it play out, he would have done a more Alan Bestwick approach and you know we would have just heard the racing but he was talking over it the entire time to little to no no excitement like I I it's hard what I would like to see and, and this is my take on this Clint Boyer Larry McReynolds Mike Joy it'd be an easy thing to do but I feel like if you wanted that vocal like that that sound to be more of the nostalgic, what we're used to with Fox, you need to hear Larry McReynolds yelling too. He's got some of the, the most iconic lines yeah. in, in, when you look back on racing broadcasts. And I think Fox is losing touch with that. And Boyer, that's my take. Boyer can only do so much with the excitement that he brings because he's, sometimes he's it's still kind of, kind of like, an idiot at the end of the day. Yeah, it's kind of like, all right, guys. Still kind like, of an idiot. I love Clint Boyer, but <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's fun to hear him sometimes, but other times it's like, where, where the hell are you going with this guy? Like, well, mm-hmm. the thing I miss the most when it comes to commentary, um, I don't know how much you guys uh, miss it, but I loved like the play-by-play commentary. Mm-hmm. When these guys were uh, just duking it out on the racetrack, they're two, three, wide, couple rows deep, and they're not talking about all this other stuff on the on the broadcast, they're making play-by-play, yeah, just shot calls of the racing, and I I loved that era of of media and commentary on on the broadcasts because it was it, it just made it more you could captivate somebody better with that. I thought the I agree with that. I agree with early nineties to early to mid two thousands. Yeah, was the best time not only racing on track, but commentary in the booth. And I think that's where we're still lacking now between both companies that run the broadcast. I feel like the commentary has lost so much focus on the racing. Um, And they're more trying to focus on other topics to draw people in instead of what's Mm -hmm. actually on track almost like they kind of try to draw their own storylines instead yeah, of emphasize the ones funny. there it's funny because like IndyCar, IndyCar, they talk about the racing don't they f1 they you know majority of the time talk about the racing right mm-hmm. why, why can't why can't NASCAR? well f1 i think that their their product is such trash it's not even worth going and doing it comes to commentary i can't stand listening to the oh, screaming i love Crofty's it doesn't stop dude I can't stand the fact that I have to listen to this man gasp for breath after every freaking like 
two seconds, two and a half seconds. I digress. IndyCar, though, when Lee Diffie was calling NASCAR, everybody complained and they didn't like his voice and how it sounded. I would love to listen he to Lee Diffie good. or Alan Bestwick now it. in comparison to Clint Dude, Boyer and Mike. You know, you like, know what pairing I would love? And yes, they're all leads. So this might be a struggle. Give me Lee Diffie, Alan Bestwick, and Mike Joy in the booth. I can Give see me it. that. What I don't understand is I know that Alan Bestwick is contracted with CBS, but if I were Fox, I would be trying to hire him. I don't know what would stop that. He does have an idea. Doesn't, he doesn't want to go. He doesn't. What'd you say, Brandon? Steve Post. Yeah. Yes, Steve yes. Post. Dude, but he doesn't like him. No. No, no, no. No. You just got you got to put Steve Post in the broadcast booth. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, but the yes. reason the reason I didn't understand Bestwick, for a second. The the reason Bestwick doesn't do anything besides SRX is he doesn't want to do the whole, you know. Yeah. He's getting old year. He's comfortable with what he's done. And he's like, "All right, I, I'm good." Hot take two that I could really enjoy seeing. I would love to see Jamie Little call some of the races. She is actually a genuinely good play-by-play commentator. Like you guys, I know, watch the ARCA races. I love listening to it. And she's the first female lead that I can think of, period, in like a lot of big sports, let alone NASCAR. And she does a great job. I'd love to see her be the guest in the booth or put her up in the booth and sit on the pits for the cup races. Oh, 100%. But anyways, do that. All right, so... <laughs> nice job. Way to go, asshole. <laughs> he just ruined whatever's on his desk. <laughs> Not really. I just had a diecast fall over. Um, I got a- too many. A1 hosting right here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're back. We got picks for a, uh, Phoenix. And we're going to try to you know, explain why we're going to go with who we are, but we're going to start with Brandon. Brandon, who is your favorite for Phoenix? Favorite for Phoenix. Oh, man. I would love to say Harvick, but I can't. Just can't because of the the results that we just haven't seen. So uh, other other good ones are there are Larson and uh, Elliot, but if I had to pick, I'd have to go with Elliot. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. CJ? Well, it's tricky because I don't know what to expect. I think that we're going to see something yet again that no one knows really kind of what to expect. As weird as it sounds, the only thing so far that I think compares relatively to Phoenix has really been the LA Coliseum. Um, that like hard braking, needing the mechanical grip to get the car to rotate on a relatively flat racetrack because I think you're going to see them run the apron, especially at least in one and two. I think one and two, what was three and four, I think you're going to see them down in the... I, it's, it's a tricky one to think who's going to be the best at it because I don't know that a lot of us even know. But because I think it's going to drive more like a road course than anything else in a lot of ways with the hard braking and the downshifting and how you're going to transfer the car. I expect those drivers that lean to that to be the strongest. Um, it's a, I mean, I suppose Chase Elliott would be the favorite, but I got to go with Kyle Larson 
because I think it's just going to suit his driving style better than anyone. And he's shown now that it's not a fluke. Hendrick has the best equipment, clearly. Um, I think Larson is definitely my, my favorite. I'm, uh, I'm going to keep with the Hendrick brigade. And I'm going to go with the guy that probably should have won the race in 2016. The guy who won this past week. I'm going to go with Alex Bowman. I just think he's going to have a knack for doing this. Not quite sure why. And complete honesty, I just he he likes the track. He likes. I he likes I remember track. we had a conversation, and I'm just calling this out that I've called this now, and I think that he is a championship caliber driver. I think that he is arguably, you know, if not the second, third best. I think he's better than Byron. I think Bowman is really going to sh- start to shine this year more than. Ever I would love to see, see that because as someone who um, firmly believes that Byron is the weakest link in the past 17 years in Hendrick's history. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, no, 18. I retract my statement. 18 years in Hendrick's history because, um, well, Vickers was there in 05 so, and 06. So I guess, you know, after Vickers left, <laughs> Byron's been their weakest link, I firmly believe. But yeah, you know. Uh ones to watch. Ones to watch. Who is your one to watch? Mm, Rob. Just gonna have to go with Reddick. Reddick? I think he'll just be one to get up and get after it. Uh, it's a, it's a driver's track. So I think he's gonna handle it very well. And put on a good show. That seems, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I like, I like that pick. Uh, Reddick is definitely one of those guys that likes to get up and get at it. He's he's definitely coming into his own right yeah. now. He's been showing a lot of speed, so I, I think he's gonna he's gonna start showing more of that. Yeah, I mean, he should have won Auto Club until, you know, unfortunate circumstances, but that's racing. Uh, CJ, who's your one to watch? I think, like I said, the, the guys that are good at the road courses, I think are going to lend themselves to doing better here. Um, I, I want to say my one to watch is, is Chase Elliott. Um, but I really think the one to watch is Bowman. Like really the one to watch is Bowman. I, I know that that's kind of unconventional for how we normally do these picks, but the favorite is Larson. I, 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 the way it looks in my head, if you were to on paper pick what, what was going to happen, a, a repeat of this past weekend, <laughs> I really do think that this racetrack is going to suit the guys that are good on dirt, good on loose surfaces and good on road courses. I mean, Alex Bowman, his personal car collection is a lot of sports cars, yeah. a lot of Porsches, a lot of Ferraris. You know, that's what he enjoys to drive. And it's a track that it is truly his home track. Yeah. So self-explanatory. I think the Hendrick car has got something. Favorites Larson. One to watch is Bowman. I'm uh, going to go with someone who likes to race dirt. Definitely likes to race road courses, but is not a Hendrick driver, who is not a Penske driver, and who is an SHR driver in Chase Briscoe. Uh, he's shown a lot of speed in the first three races of the year. I mean, obviously he just 
had complete and utter shit luck yesterday. But he is a guy who likes to get up and get after it on the road courses. Uh, he clearly loves racing dirt when he can get out there. And this is a track where you're going to have to put all of those skills on display at the same time and not be able to really let up. Phoenix is going to be a dirty track. We know that no matter how clean it looks on the screen, we know it's going to be having dirt all over it. It's just how it works with being even more in the desert than Las Vegas is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you kind of expect racetracks like that to be dirty. And that's why, like, I look at guys who are good on a, a not good racetrack. I mean, like you're going to be running the equivalent of in the gray, the entirety of the first part of the lap. Like if you're really going to be running up against the wall and yeah. in testing, that was where the quicker times were. Like I watched a lot of the testing from Phoenix. If you could get that thing down to almost the wall in one and two, you're, you're golden. Screw yeah. the PJ one, screw the banking. You don't need it. If you put the right you know, spring rate in the right rear, like that was where guys were making up time. It almost looked to me like when Chase Elliott spun twice in testing there, it was when he was coming up out of what's now four and had that right rear, like in the PJ one, as he was grabbing fifth. Yeah. So something tells me the way the car hooks up in that PJ one, I wouldn't be surprised if you see guys avoid it. Think IndyCar last year, or really any time since they remodeled and reconfigured that track, you don't touch it. Don't, don't touch the PJ one. Definitely going to be very intriguing to like you talk about a dirty racetrack. Imagine something sticky like the PJ1. How much dirt will that hold if no one runs on it? <laughs> exactly. It's it's a driver's track for a reason. But anyway, speaking of more drivers, uh, dark horse. Brandon, who is your dark horse for Phoenix? Ryan Newman. He's coming back and he's going <laughs> to redeem himself. Jesus. <laughs> Dear Lord Almighty. Uh, Martin Shrek's Jr. A dark I horse. Think, Interesting. I think he's been good there. He hasn't had the luck there. But he's not typically up front when it comes to Phoenix. He's towards the end. Towards the end, he's usually not up front. As he finished second in the season finale last year. Um, That's true. He did. But any other, any other year, I'm saying it's not been not been typical of him to finish out the race very well so uh like i said he's got speed there and he's really good so i think he's going to be he'll be my dark horse pick to win the race there you go cj who is your that's solid my dark horse is austin cinder oh because Ooh. I, I just can't say it enough like guys that have left right turny twisty background you know, like Austin Cindric is used Hard to a car. The GT4 Mustang is not that far off. Like it, even I realized I, I did some more research into this and I know not to get distracted with like other motorsports too much, but the tire profile on that Mustang is almost the same as what the cup car is. The wheel tire package is almost the same, the GT4 car. So I realized that that's a very um, close to a, an eerie similarity you know what I mean? To the, the new next-gen car. And he's been running GT4 Mustangs for a long time. Austin Sindrick, I think, could steal another one on a track that, yet again, is going to show it wasn't a fluke. Just like Auto Club, he kind of showed you could back up that Daytona win. I think this is a racetrack. He can do that, too. 
Well, he has a very good track record at Phoenix. I mean, he's won two of the past three Xfinity races there. It should have been three in a row, but that, that's a very solid take. Why do you have your pinky up, bro? Oh, I, I didn't know if it was a public knowledge about how much you really have strong feelings for how the Xfinity series ended last year. Oh, well, you got your pinky up, huh? Well, because you were talking about it. And I was waiting for the tears to start flowing. More middle fingers up. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I feel like I have to send you to meetings now. (laughs) No. 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 I don't always drink, but when I do, I drink responsibly. Mm. Hey, no. Come on. But what's your definition of responsibilities? And what's your dark horse? My My dark horse is going to be another guy who likes to race on dirt. Uh, I'm going to go with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Interesting. I, there's something about him this year. He's got, he's got that little bit of swagger that he's carrying. That You have a thing for mullets. Oh, totally. You have like a fetish for mullets. You love yep. Noah Gregson, <laughs> and now you like Ricky Stenhouse Jr. <laughs> but uh, no, he, he's just got this swagger to him this year that I think you know, obviously, this isn't a guy that I'm expecting to win the race, but like, I expect him to do better than what everyone is expecting of him in this race. I guess. I think he yeah. can put up a solid performance. And with that, who are we staying away from this week, boys? Are we? Uh, are we unanimous? We're going back to back. I don't know. I don't know. I mean. I, I want to say probably, but who I really want to stay away from is not who I think we're talking about. Brad Keselowski is not who I want to stay away from this week. Interesting. I know who you want to stay away from. Who do you want to stay away from, CJ? Harvick. Wow. Yeah, I don't. I want to, st- I want to stay away from Kevin Harvick. I, I got to hear this. Yeah, you, gotta, you got some explaining to do, my boy. Well, okay. Who's the winningest driver in Phoenix? Harvick. Kevin Harvick. Yeah. Who has had some pretty shit luck and has not really gotten the hang of this car too much and has become visibly frustrated as he's gotten older with the fact his results are not quite there. He's got a lot more talent, I think, than Brad Kozlowski, naturally. So I don't so think... You're that... explaining Kozlowski right there, 100%. But, but here's the difference, right? Kozlowski, I would hope, now realizes you've got some work to do. You bought into this team and it had stake for sale for a reason. Like the equipment's not there, you know, like you, you, you've got work to do to get that team to where you're going to be competitive. Once he understands that, I think Brad will calm down enough that it's a, you know, a better Brad Keselowski than what we've seen. However, the four car is a different story. They've had some success. They've had some solid runs so far this season. Kevin Harvick knows that the performance of the car is there, but if there were a driver that I think is more emotional behind the wheel. And I know we talked about this last week that didn't make it on to the podcast, but if there's one driver who's more emotional behind the wheel than Kyle Busch, it's Kevin Harvick. And so now you're at his dojo, right? He's at the most wins there. He wants to show that he can do something with this new car. He wants to show that SHR can get wins that he's not out of it. You know, he's going to be driving with a little bit of something. feel like he's got something to prove. And if there was a guy that I would expect because he, he has 
to dump you because he feels like it or to dump you or move you out of the way if it means a win for him than to not have any remorse for it, it's Harvick. I expect him to do well, and I think he's going to be driving with something to prove and on a little bit of an emotional level. That's my guess. That's my gut instinct. If I were to really be like debriefing a team and a couple of drivers, probably be saying, watch the four car. You won't really know until practice and qualifying. Sure, it's a shot in the dark, but that's why he's my stay away from. It's valid. That's, yeah, that's solid. He hasn't even buried the hatchet with Chase Elliott. There's an interview at the LA Coliseum that he did with Tony Stewart, where he's still talking about that. He's still talking about that. He is still stuck up on it, yeah. That was last season, and you wrecked yourself. You did not check yourself. Thank you. You tried to put the square block in the circle, and you done – I can't say the F word anymore, can I? Oh. <laughs> Either way, right? The guy's still holding on to it, and you wrecked yourself. You never checked yourself. You wrecked yourself. You let this kid get in your head as you're supposed to be this – you know, you think you are a goaded veteran of the sport. Now imagine he actually has a car that you imagine he brings a piece on Sunday. They bring a piece to, to Phoenix this weekend. Now he can actually do something with it. I don't really want to be side by side with him. I want to get, get around him or let him go. Don't, don't hang around the floor. <laughs> uh, Brandon, are you going Keselowski? Yep. Yeah. All right. Yep. Now why? Eh. Like, like we've said, it's just, it's not there. He's, he's not, he's not Keselowski right now. It doesn't he, seem like it. He's not the Brad K that we all know. No. He's been, I think, driving over his head a little bit, trying to get too much like we've talked about. Hey, um, can I, can I just say one thing to address the elephant in the room with Keselowski too? I think losing his dad has really had an effect on him. His dad was at every single race and that was a big part of who he was big part of who brad was you're right and i think that's got a lot to do with uh some of the emotion behind the wheel and being frustrated i totally Um, agree yeah driving emotionally right driving emotionally will always get you in trouble always um so with all those factors at play i just feel like he's he's frustrated in more ways than one so he's, he's got a lot in his plate I think once he once he gets himself uh, collected a little bit, he'll be he'll be just fine right back to form. What I would really love to see is a a somebody of the caliber of a Roger Penske kind of put his arm around him and be like, "Listen, kid, you know we've got. I know who you are. Are you okay? Yeah, you know, right. Like a friend, somebody that's a wise person that can say, "Are you okay?" Because he right. doesn't seem right. He's put on a lot of weight. He he doesn't. He looks like he aged a lot like a lot in one off season, which makes you think you know, behind the scenes, what's going on. I think you're hundred percent valid. Like I'm not just trying to be edgy to like go against the grain because I'm not choosing unanimously, but like, I, I agree uh, with I, you. I'm that, not going Keselowski either, but I'll, I'll let this. But I agree with you, Brandon, that like whatever's going on behind the scenes, it's not the Brad K that we've been seeing. I'd stay right. away from the six too. I'm, I'm not picking Brad just to, to bandwagon with the, uh, anybody that's just saying oh well he, he switched teams i don't like him anymore no i i still like brad as a driver i just think that he's he's not who we've seen and the motion that he's been bringing to the table 
emotions is, can control you too much. Yeah, if the emotions that he's bringing to the table right now are just going to uh, hurt him more than help him. So, yeah. Well, um, I'm going with someone that's probably not going to be a popular pick to a lot of people, but when they look at it, it's actually a very smart stay away from pick at Phoenix. Um, Says you. Very good on short tracks, but when you're at a track like this that does not race like a typical short track at all, uh, I'm going with Bubba. Interesting. I can get down with that pick. He's got to win at Eldora. He does, but he is not good at phoenix um he's not a short track racer that's for sure he's got a 22.67 average finish at phoenix um he just can't figure the place out brandon's phone fell over uh he i want to see him prove me wrong with this pick Mm. i think everybody does i mean like it's everybody wants to see bubba do well and there's no like do well. I, I really would love to see Bubba Wallace do well. Like I, I like him as a person. I like him as a driver. I think he's done a lot in not great equipment, you yeah. know, and I think he has as much as we hate to, you know, try to understand it. Like it, racism is a thing and he's had to live through some stuff. He's a high profile Another guy that has to ra- that races with emotion. Like yeah. all but he can be have valid picks of this when it comes to emotions on different levels and different kinds of emotions being protruded by each one but I, I can certainly see he's getting frustrated yeah understandably so i mean now make emotional I, i'd say yeah that's a, an emotion yeah. that i don't really want to be around a guy that's feeling frustrated before the green flags even drop yeah right. every driver will tell you yeah i'm fine i'm not thinking about it <laughs> but they're lying <laughs> thinking about many things right now as soon as they strap in they're like all right, let's go. More or less, you strap in, and it's a continuation of thoughts you already had. Yeah. You know what I mean? The thoughts you had before you even got your suit on are the thoughts you're going to have as you're pacing around for the green. Whether you would want to admit it or not, we're all human, yeah. right? And it definitely, Bubba's one of those guys where if he can rein that in, he's fast, but he's yeah. not a short track guy. I could see that. One thing I forgot to mention that I really hope Alex Bowman puts on a T-shirt it's Kyle Bush's quote after the race. Brandon, you saw the quote. CJ, did you see the quote? No. Well, I'm going to censor myself because this says the F word four times in one quote. Just the tap stage... the mute button. See how, see how that works. Oh, yeah. Because if you, if you click mute and then it, it gives you the option to use the space bar to mute. That's how I've been doing. Like, I can right. like this. All right. You ready for this? <laughs> this is going to be this is going to be good. The same guy who backs into every pin that he ever backs into another win. Bullshit. <laughs> Kyle Bush talking about Alex Bowman winning the race yesterday. I think he just needs to put bullshit on a <laughs> yeah. No, you know what I hope he does? Because someone commented and they're like, what if, like, you know, you made the shirt and you put the quote on it, and then at the bottom, you put AFB in the ABR font. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he should just stick with hack. 
If I were him, I'd put hack above the window. Yeah, but I tell you what, Every Joe race. Gibbs drivers are giving him a hell of a material to put on the shirts. <laughs> but like, I get where he's coming from that he hates all his nicknames because <laughs> they all kind of suck. I would have stuck with hack. Like, I, I would have been the most, the best way to be spiteful and vengeful for the rest of your career. You know what he needs to do? He needs to have that quote on a shirt. Then he needs to have Kyle Bush backing it into the wall in practice in like the background of the quote. <laughs> I think it'd be funny if you had just a car like backed into the wall. You know what I mean? Like take that image of the 18 when it made contact yeah, with the right rear wheel smoke and stuff. Then like have the silhouette and just have it say Bowman at the bottom. <laughs> Bowman. <laughs> Nothing to just to show that it's the 18 car. Just a car backing into the wall. Just put Bowman. No, I, I would still have the car backed up into the wall just at the bottom just bullshit <laughs> there you go gotta make sure you have that afb though in his uh team's font that mm. would be oh that would be elite you want to talk that'd about, be pretty funny want to talk about just straight trolling other cup series drivers <laughs> this guy's been a genius the past year now at this point because then he did quote the uh he did quote the cheat or the 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 tweet, and all he said was "Yikes!" T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny though? You know what that really reminds me of is Dale Earnhardt because Dale Earnhardt was the first person really to like cash in on this kind of thing. People oh, want to wear T-shirts. People want to buy T-shirts and hats and all the random stuff. Alex Bowman is putting on a clinic of not only how to like be way more consistent than any of these Gibbs guys have been. For what, what stat did Mike Joy throw at the end of the race? Since the start of 2021, the two winningest drivers in this series are Kyle Larson and Alex Bowman. Yeah. Like, how the hell are you going to try and, like, step to this guy and say, he always oh, pulling out these BS wins, didn't deserve that? Like, well, how, how much do you need to shit on the guy? Like, are we just going to also ignore the fact that when he did that to Hamlin, for one, it was kind of a genuine mistake. Two, like, Hamlin's never done that. Ask Chase Elliott when he was in the 24 car still. Like, <laughs> yeah. you serious? Like, I don't understand that whole thing. Oh, they're going to get lost on it. But none of that makes sense for the, the Gibbs guys to be so upset with Alex Bowman. Cry me to sleep, please. Stop pillow talking me, okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds to me like maybe Kyle Bush will get a nap and get his juice box and he'll feel better. You know? Oh, man. I, I just... Yeah. Bowman, Bowman is turning into a straight troll on JGR, and I love it. <laughs> He's like, oh, crying about it. Bitch, yeah, I don't bitch. see you out here winning races anymore. No. <laughs> this is the thing. It, it, I don't understand it. <clears throat> and I guess maybe it's a good point to, you know, kind of to go off of. But yeah. with, with the Hendrick cars, okay, unless Chase Elliott turns things around, like really turns things around with whatever it is going on. I expect him in a few weeks at Coda to be fast. No okay. question about that. Bowman has legitimate talent. Like Alex Bowman on dirt is faster than, than everybody but Larson. And even Larson on dirt, he can hang with him. Like have no. you ever seen them both in quarter midgets at the no. Chili Bowl? Right, but, but in, in the grand scheme of Hendrick, I think Alex Bowman knows he's been slept on. He has legitimate genuine talent. The, the, oh, yeah. the kids got talent. 
Yeah, I think he. You don't really care about what people think of him because he knows what he's got. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I think this is honestly going to be a. These next three weeks could possibly be a Hendrick just slaughter on the field. Oh, yeah. mm. it's possible. Phoenix, Atlanta, and Coda. Atlanta, I'm not excited for anymore now. I want to see how it races before I judge, but I don't, I don't I'm not, yeah, I'm not too hyped up. About I wish they kept the 675. Yeah. I think that the low horsepower package is going to ruin it. Not to jump ahead too far, but I'm not as excited about it as I was now that I've seen how the car races, especially like Fontana. Yeah. You know? That's probably how similar as shit would run at Atlanta. Fontana was fun to watch. But um, I think that's going to wrap it up then for this week. Final comments, concerns, questions? Did anybody watch Supercross from Daytona? No, but I wanted to. That was awesome. I was really, I think it's worth Eli mentioning, Tomac. even though we're a NASCAR podcast. Eli Tomac now has the most wins. It was cool because uh, Ricky Carmichael was in the booth and he had five mm-hmm. at Daytona Supercross. They run the infield yeah. on the front stretch in the trial uh, for a Supercross track, which is motorcycle dirt bike racing for those of you that don't know. But uh, Ricky Carmichael, who has been calling the race, designed the track, had five wins. He's considered you know, the GOAT, the yeah. best of all time. Eli Tomac on a bike with the number three, by the way. He ran a special plastics and decal set that said, do it for Dale down the side. And he actually went out at his age, and I think he became one of the oldest Supercross winners in history, and he won a sixth time. So he broke Ricky Carmichael's record, most, most Supercross wins at Daytona. Congratulations to him. That was awesome. That is really cool. Absolute top-tier driver in, or rider in Supercross. He is 29. I mean, that's not really that old when you look at other motorsports, but Supercross, that's actually... It's getting there. You're, you're getting there. There was a study once that uh, I forget who it was, but it was the, what's the most athletic sport that there is, period, of every sport that you could do in the world. Supercross and motorcycle racing was number one. Yeah. Dirt bike racing was number one. Takes the most out of you. Yeah. Like you have the hardest hits when you do hit. Oh, yeah. And you do it for as long as he has. I mean, I figured that was worth mentioning because that was historic. Yeah. That was pretty cool to watch. doing it since he was 18. That's pretty pretty good yeah mm-hmm. he's got in the perfect. 450 super like the 450 main level like it for 10 years he, i'm pretty sure he jumped into supercross at a young age but beside the point like yeah. it just it was a historic moment it was really cool to see it's always cool to see motorcycles racing on the trioval at daytona especially oh, yeah. you know it's where we are nascar podcast yeah. that was that was rad that I, I i always try to catch that race when i can it, it sucks that i couldn't this year but you know i always try to catch it when i can but yeah um He's, he's, he's definitely one of their uh, best drivers or best riders that I can think of in quite a long time. Um, he's him, still got it, man. Oh, Eli yeah. Tomac, he's still got it. He's still got it. Yeah. Repping us old guys. <laughs> That's all I got, though. Yeah. But that'll conclude another episode. Guys, thank you, as always, for hopping on here. And, uh, yeah. You're welcome. Bye, everybody. Bye.
That's going to wrap up this week's episode of NASCAR Dosage. Once again, thank you to CJ and Brandon, as always, for hopping on here. Um, thank you for you guys for listening. Each week we're trying to get this podcast to new levels, and each week we're growing it slightly more and more. Um, keep sharing it. Keep liking posts. Keep, you know, sharing it with friends, family, whoever. Um, it's a lot of fun each week doing this, and I just want to say thank you guys once again. We will see you guys next week. Goodbye. Oh, thank you.